0: morning. Welcome to Calvary. Can you all stand up and let's give our king a great big hand this morning. Amen. It is so good to see you and we welcome you here. Uh, we're, we're so happy to have our special guest, Josh uh, Moran from Harrisonburg. Uh, did I say that last name right? Yeah. yeah okay. He is uh, going to be our speaker today, and he brought some praise team with him from uh, from JMU, so we're glad to have them. We're glad to have you. Amen? Yeah. And we're so thankful that wherever we are, the Holy Spirit is there. Before we get into worship, I do want to uh, make a very special announcement concerning next weekend. I know that Sunday is uh, Christmas Day, falls on Sunday, But we felt like we wanted to give an opportunity for everybody that would like to go to service. Uh, So we're going to be having two services uh, Christmas Eve on Saturday at 5 o'clock. Both of these services are going to be the same service. So you have an opportunity to come either Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning. Saturday afternoon will be at 5 o'clock. There will be about a 45-minute service. And then on Sunday, if you choose to get up that morning, uh, throw the family with their pajamas, just come on. And uh, we'll be here at 10 o'clock having a worship service. Amen. You'll still have plenty of time to get one of these services in and still get time to be home and spend time with your family. Amen. Because this season is about who? It is about Jesus, and we need to remember that. And we just welcome you this morning. Give the Lord one more hand. Amen. Amen.
1: We just think about who Jesus is, and so you just stand in awe of who he is. I just encourage you guys, just lift your voices. Let's just praise the Lord this morning, just whatever you're thankful for, um, for who he is. Just lift your voices and praise him.
2: a damning nature of wanting to go maybe my own way. It's something about this damning nature of even wanting to do ministry how I think it might should be done, Pastor Steve. And when I find myself yielding to the flesh instead of to the spirit I always find myself coming up empty once again. If we really want to get close to the Lord, it's this daily life of surrendering my damning nature of wanting to do my, my own life of surrendering and saying this week, Lord, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. If you're not part of this project, I don't want to do it. If you're not part of that service, I don't want to be part of it. Lord, I I don't want to go anywhere or do anything that, you are not with me, Lord. And once again, I find myself, Lord, I'm trying to surrender my life totally to you. And when we do, we find ourselves, as the song says, Lord, as a deer panteth after water. Have you ever noticed? When you yield to your own academic nature and self, wanting to live that life, that you find yourself more empty? Well, sure, doesn't it feel good that when you say, Lord, I I surrender unto you, Lord? I just surrender to you. God, I, I, I surrender my mind, I surrender my spirit, my body. God, I surrender it all to you. Isn't it wonderful how the Lord comes in and just touches our inner soul and feeds our inner spirit? So I'm going to ask this young lady to, to lead us in that song one more time. And I want you to close your eyes and within your own self, the way only you can do it with God, I just want you to Scott, I surrender my life to you
1: this morning.
2: And the more we surrender, the more we realize that God takes our life. And what, what does he do with our life? He makes us more productive in our life, in the spirit, and in our life itself. When I'm following up the ways of the Lord. David talked about it in the book of Psalms. So I want them to sing that one more time before we make transition. And I just want you to close your eyes. And. How you know with your heavenly father, Lord, I I I just surrender. And I want you to just hold your hands out and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving you my marriage. You're young, and I'm giving you my school. I'm giving you my friends. I'm giving you my life right now. Let's let's do that. Let's say sing again. give the band this morning a hand. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord just for a few minutes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christmas is right around the corner. Amen. many has got all your shopping done. Okay. That's good. That's good. Thank you, honey, for doing ours. Amen.
1: Amen.
2: Hallelujah. We uh while we were gone last Sunday, I think they had a men's they had a men's uh, uh, afternoon uh, luncheon. And do we have those pictures this morning? Oh yeah. Yeah, let's let's look at these pictures this morning. I don't know who that pastor is setting up. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's cracker barrel right there to the fullest. Yeah, it's Pastor John. I don't know what he's doing, but <laughs> Is it Wayne Bartley sitting in the back? Yeah, what a crew. Yeah, oh Lord. That guy's going to be speaking for you next month. Yeah, not that one, the one before. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Let's give the men a hand this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to ask, Josh is going to be coming, Pastor Josh will be coming in a few minutes speaking to us, and Pastor Josh, I'm going to ask you just to share just a few minutes about Calpha, what you do there. Uh, Josh is one of our U.S. missionaries that we support, and uh, he is at JMU. I'm going to let him explain uh, a little bit of that. I am uh, uh, just enjoying more of the time that I spend uh, with this young man. Uh, I've had a couple times, or at least uh, I spent a time here not long ago with coffee. Uh, had coffee with him, and he's very knowledgeable about the young generation. And uh, not only that, he's crazy. We're gonna have fun. To, we're gonna on. have fun this morning. So uh, I'm gonna let him come. I want us to stand and give Pastor Josh a wonderful hand this morning <laughs> as <he comes>.
3: Amen. <laughs> Love you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Hey, I'm so excited to be here with you this morning, church. And I can tell you from sitting down with your pastor multiple times that he loves you. You have a pastor that loves you, that cares for you, that loves for, loves this community and what the Lord is going to do here. And so I am honored to share with you this morning. Uh, I'll show you a picture of my family and tell you a little bit about what we do. Uh, I think, yeah, wow, look at that. Uh, So that's me normally, this is just winter break, Josh, Um, and so unfortunately I got my passport picture taken this past week. I was due for a renewal, and I didn't, I was taking my daughter in, uh, Emma, there, Emma is in the seventh grade, she's going on spring break with us on our missions trip uh, in in March, but I went in, and we were getting her picture taken at the post office, right? And it's the whole thing. It's the back and the forth and the lines. And we finally got her picture taken. And he's like, oh, I see you have your passport. I said, yeah, I'm doing my renewal. I'm going to schedule my appointment. He goes, let's just take your picture now. And I'm like, no, I don't normally look like this. Like, this, this is – he's like, "Ah, oh, no, come on. Just take your hat off and do it. So I did it, and it looks terrible. I cannot wait till it comes in. I'll bring it down here and show you all. It actually, Taryn has saved a picture on her phone because it's that bad. Um, but anyways, let me tell you a little bit about my family. So my wife and I, Katie, we have been married for 13 years. I got it. There you go. Uh, we have a daughter, Emma. She's 12. Uh, Emma just played Anna. In the uh, middle school musical, um, she got to sing. She got to sing. Do you want to build a snowman? Right, best role ever. Uh, and then uh, that's our son in the middle, Levi. Levi is in. Levi is ten. Yeah, we'll say ten. Uh, he's not here. He can't fact check me. Uh, he's ten. He's in the fourth grade, and Levi wants to be an animal photographer when he grows up. Uh, Just last week, he learned that you can get paid to do that. He had just planned on living off the land um, and just kind of camping out and seeing what would happen. Um, And he's the reason why I haven't been able to go hunting this season yet because he actively prays that I do not harvest an animal. Uh, Judah down here is, let's say, eight. Uh, Judah is eight. He's in the second grade. Um, And Judah is uh, really into disc golf. Um, and then last night he actually bought two Mario Kart racers from Costco. They were on sale. Uh, kids should not buy things before Christmas, but he did because he was very excited. And so we've been racing those around the basement this is, uh, even late into the night last night. And then there's our youngest, Esther. Esther is five. Uh, she's in kindergarten this year. Esther's middle name is Joy, and that is exactly what she is. Um, she is a little bundle of energy. She is a princess. She loves to... Uh, pretend and uh, draw and paint and snuggle and cuddle. She is absolutely adorable. Uh, we work at James Madison University, just you know, just half an hour away. Uh, we do a ministry there called Kai Alpha. Kai Alpha is the Assemblies of God outreach to the college campus, and so we live incarnationally amongst college students. Um, with them in order to see their lives change, in order to see the world change. We believe that what the Lord is doing at James Madison University is not just enough to dream and hope for JMU. That what is happening there will have ripple effects throughout the valley, throughout the state, and literally throughout the world. That as you change the life of a college student, as you invest in a college student, as you see a college student come to know Jesus radically, dynamically, then you can have ripple effects in families, in family structures, and in places that I will never go myself because of what the Lord is going to do in them while they're in college. We moved to JMU just four years ago. There were four of us, my wife and I, and then Julia, who was on the guitar, and her husband, Hunter. And we moved there, and we were Kai and Alpha, okay? One couple was Kai, one couple was Alpha. It's like, hey, this is all we have. We're moving into an unknown city and an unknown place, and we're going to see what the Lord would do. And can I tell you, the Lord has been faithful. Uh, up here amongst uh, the band, we have Taryn and Paul. Uh, Paul is from Stanton, so there you go. Woohoo! He's a Lacey, um, so you all are probably related to him because that's what happens in small towns. Uh, I'm from a small town, it's okay I'm allowed to say it. Um And so, uh, Taryn and Paul were two of our very first students in the fall of 2019, and the Lord has has taken it from the four of us, the six of us, um, to now over 150 students involved in small group ministry. The Lord has been faithful. I don't know if you guys remember, but like halfway through our first year, a global pandemic broke out, right? It got a little crazy there for a while, but Paul was actually in India as the pandemic broke out. Uh, He came back with a cold. Yeah, right. Food poisoning. <laughs> you know, Paul is uh, Agent Zero. Um, and so uh, it, it has been a, a fantastic ride. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we are really excited to see what the Lord is going to do. And we are actively praying that though we have been there for four years, that soon God will raise up a team to leave JMU and go plant Chi Alpha at another university to, again, to just see these ripple effects. I get a little choked up even thinking about it. So, the church. Now we're going to transition into the message. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1 I love the Gospel of Luke, and I particularly love it this Christmas season as we think about the birth of our Savior, as we think about what is coming even next week as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Let's start at the beginning because it seems like a very good place to start. Luke's Gospel is one of my favorite Gospels. It's at least in the top four, right? Um, That was a joke. I'm sorry. At least the the second joke was funnier than the first joke. I understand. I understand. It happens, you know. And so uh, if you are in the New Testament, you'll see Matthew. Then you'll see Mark. Then you'll see Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke is a doctor, Colossians tells us. And Luke is one of the, uh, he's he's a historian. He's a scholar. And I love the way that Luke puts things and the way in which these different themes that come out in Luke's gospels. Some of the things that we see in Luke's gospel don't appear in the other gospels. and, And it is fun to see uh, the theme of the spirit in Luke's gospel, like the 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 rise of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's action in the earth is so apparent in the Luke and Acts narrative. And then we see the theme of women and the way in which like women are around Jesus and that Jesus empowers women and his women pay for the ministry of Jesus. And it's and it's beautiful to see the different stories that happen in Luke's gospel, the way that he rises up women as we see this this new trajectory that is being set. And I also love the theme of hope. And how many of us know that today we could all use a little bit of hope, right? That as we look around a world full of inflation, like, oh my gosh, I hope gas prices go down. You know, like, right? Like, it's like these things, like we look around at the news and we see these stories and it's like, man, like, is there any hope out there? Like, what is going to happen? And so I love the way that Luke takes us into this sense of hope, this hope that the Jewish people had for a Savior, this hope that the Jewish people had for a Messiah, this hope. And what we're going to see later today is this hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Luke's Gospel says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Whenever I say among us, I just can't help but think of the uh, video game, right? Like I saw that it had an update yesterday on my phone. I'm like, well, there's an imposter among us. Just as, yeah, see, you know, just boo me, it's fine. Uh, Had been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. So here what we see from the very beginning is that Luke lays out to to write an orderly account. He mentions that there is eyewitness testimony, that he was there, that he has seen, that he has heard, that he he can testify to these things, that he has met people, he has known people. And he now sets out to write an orderly account of the things which have happened in order that we may know, in order that we may believe, in order that we may understand. And that part of this orderly account is what we're going to see this morning are two characters, two unlikely characters who would take part in the adventure of a lifetime. Two characters in our story that that would have been written off by so many people for so many different reasons that we're going to look at in our story this morning. But instead, they get to be a part of one of the most magnificent stories ever told. So let's see who those two characters are. Verse 5, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. That's our first one who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the laws, commands, and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old here we get introduced to our first character, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. We we find out from Luke that they are both a part of the lineage of Aaron. They are both in the priestly line. They would have been uh, two of about eighteen thousand priests that would have been in, in Jerusalem at this time, as they would have lived in the surrounding areas. And in tw- once a year, twice a year, they would have traveled to Jerusalem in order to do their two weeks of service at the temple. Okay, and what we see is that they are old. And it's interesting because, right, because Pastor brought me in here for Young Adult Sunday, right, for Youth Sunday, uh, and and I appreciate that, uh, but the college students have made it very clear that I am not young, okay? And actually, my kids have made it very clear that I'm not young, and, and actually, if I am preaching at a Kyopha service, and I say, hi, my name is Josh, and I'm, and I pause for even a moment, the whole crowd yells out, old. Yeah, it's a a tough go. Like, let me tell you, the college campus is a hard place to be, okay? Okay? But we see here that Zechariah and Elizabeth are old, okay? Luke is telling us that they are very old. They are very old. They are past the age of normal childbirth. And then Luke goes out of his way to tell us also that they were righteous, that they were blameless. And Luke does this. Because in the ancient Near Eastern culture, the Jewish belief at this time would have been that if you were old and childless, it would have been your own fault. It would have been because sin that had happened to you. It would have been because sin that you had committed. It would have been something that you had done wrong, and you would have been full of blame. To have children in the ancient Near East was the only way to survive, right? Like children in an agrarian society, this is, what, this is the way in which you would be able to have a retirement account was your kids were going to take care of you. This is the way in which you would, you would show that the Lord had blessed you as you continue to have children. And to not have children, to be this old, like though they knew that they were blameless, though they knew that they were righteous and upheld the laws, it is for sure that the people around them would have assumed a lot of things about them. That whenever they would have come to the temple, whenever they, would have, whenever they would have been at dinner parties, people would have continued to ask, like, oh, so, are you guys expecting yet? And Zechariah and Elizabeth are hoping, praying, wishing for a child. And years and years and years go by and they feel like, hey, maybe it's passed us over. Maybe we're too old for this adventure. Maybe... Maybe it wasn't really us. Verse 8. It says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Let's pause right there. Here, what we see is that Zechariah's lot has been chosen. He has gone up to Jerusalem to the temple. He is there serving with the priest, and then they cast the lots, they roll the dice, and Zechariah is chosen. Now, this would have been the moment, right? Like, as a priest, like, your time to enter into the Holy of Holies, to burn the incense, to make the sacrifice, this would have been the high moment of his career you would have been waiting his whole life for this one moment right like this was it like oh my gosh this is gonna be it this is gonna be so amazing this is incredible I finally made it this is the thing I have looked forward to all of you that are in high school this is what college represents to you right or finishing finally getting out of high school like oh my gosh can I be done with this like like there it is it's right there those of you that have already graduated, as you are, have entered into certain professions, there has been a different way in which you have marked, this is how I'll know that I've made it. Maybe it's a certain office. Maybe it's a certain amount in your retirement account. Maybe it's a certain car. Maybe it's a certain house. Maybe it's a certain street. Whatever it is, like there is something in which in the back of your mind you have, you have noted. Once I get this, then I'll know that I have made it. For Zechariah, this is that moment going into the Holy of Holies, being the one who would enter into the presence of God, and being able to burn the incense. This is the moment. What is going to happen? You can feel the anticipation in the text. As Luke tells us, that they are all assembled outside and praying. And verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Let's pause right there for a moment. You're like, oh my how many times are we going to pause in the text? Just read it. Okay? So, so he sees an angel and he's gripped with fear. Okay, angel, when we read angel, what do we think? Especially right now, we think Christmas tree topper, right? Okay? Like, you know what I mean? Like, let's put the angel up on top. Maybe you picture, like, a precious, precious moments Bible that you had as a kid, and it's got all those beautiful pictures of, of angels. And, and, like, actually, well, maybe a better translation in this instance would have been, like, a warrior of light. This terrifying person. And often, in the biblical text, when an angel appears, the first instinct of people is fear. Silence. All. They're struck like, wow, oh, this is what? This would not have been something you would put on top of your Christmas tree. And it appears to Zechariah in this moment that he has been waiting his whole life for. And then what happens? They saw that he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been How many of us would love to hear those words? Yeah. Yeah. From an angel of the Lord, appear to us and say, your prayer has been heard. How many of us, when we hear those words, we realize that maybe you should pray for some more things? <laughs> maybe you should pray some big, bold prayers, because bold prayers honor God. And the angel looks at him and says, your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is to never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and their disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here what we see is the angel tells Zechariah that your prayers have been answered in two ways. One, the angel looks at Ze- Zechariah and says the prayers that you and your wife have prayed for you to conceive, for you to have a child, these longings of your heart that have gone on and on and on, this will come to pass. But also Zechariah that other prayer that you have been praying that as you have been calling out for the Messiah As you have been longing for the one in which we could hope for, as the Jewish people for for years, for hundreds of years, have longed for the Messiah to come. And as the priests have gathered at the temple, as they have longed for the Messiah, they long for the hope of the one who is coming. That prayer is coming true too, and that your son will lead the way to Jesus and bring people back to him. Zechariah, this is what is going to happen. And in a moment of faith, in this moment of certainty, as the angel is standing there, as he's in the Holy of Holies, Zechariah responds, like many of us would. In verse 18, he looks at the angel and says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And how many of you know that Zechariah should have never said that about his wife? Right? Right? And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. So Zechariah responds and says, how is this going to happen? And the angel says, go sit and time out. I want you to think about what you just said. And actually, you're going to sit there for nine months, mute, unable to speak. And many wives say, this is actually what the angel's already done to my husband. I haven't heard that guy speak in a long time. I can't believe I said that. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them, but they but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among them. And what we see is that Zechariah, Elizabeth get to go on the adventure of a lifetime of what it's going to be like to raise John the Baptist, which I can only imagine. Having four kids at home and they can be a little wild, I can only imagine what it would have been like to raise John the Baptist, right? Like this dude was crazy. Like his, his diet, okay? His clothes, like the way, where he lived, where he stayed. Like, oh my gosh. And how much fun it would have been for them. And how much joy it would have been for them to see this thing that they had hoped for come to fruition. To see the thing that they had prayed for come to fruition as they obeyed the Lord and as they stepped into that obedience. Let's take a look at our next character. Verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, uh uh-oh, Gabriel coming back, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Nazareth... We're going to later learn in the Gospels that that the people are going to say about Nazareth, like, what good can come from there, okay? Nazareth is one of those small towns, okay? It's one of those places where it's, like, everybody knows where Main Street is, okay? It's, like, one of those, like, one stoplight towns. It's a one high school town. It's, like, everybody's related to everybody in Nazareth, and they really like to eat Hot Pockets, okay? Like, Nazareth is much like the town, like, see, you're from Nova. You've never had a Hot Pocket, right? Like, those of us that grew up in the valley like man the ham and cheese hot pocket like that thing would hit and what you really liked is when it was hot on the outside but freezing cold in the middle that's when you know that you've done the hot pocket right okay and so like I grew up in one of these towns like one of these small towns and it's like this is this is where the angel is appearing why would the angel go there Why not go to Jerusalem? Why not go to the big city? Why not go to where the movers and shakers are? But instead, the angel comes to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. Now, spoiler alert, Luke tells us she's a virgin here, but I think you know how the story ends. Uh, Pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Here, Luke is continuing to give us the lineage of those in which are in the story in order to line it up, in order that we could know the lineage to which Jesus will take a part in. And he says that he is in the lineage of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, can I tell you, that's an A-plus greeting. OK, like that's way better than a head nod. You know what I mean? Like, like when I think about like greetings, you who are highly favored, I think we should bring that back, church. Like as we meet each other, as we greet each other, as we're down at the supermarket, like greetings, you who are highly favored. Like as you go to the ball game, greetings, you who are highly favored. Like that is an A plus greeting. OK, I think we should bring that back. And this is what the angel says to Mary. Scholars believe that Mary is a young teenager. Okay? She's from a small town that no one has heard of. She's a nobody. She is pledged to be married because in the ancient Near East, to be a woman meant that you could not own property. It meant that you could not own a business. It meant that the only way in which you could be financially secure would be to be married. If you were not connected to a husband, then you were on your own. It was not going to work out for you. She is one of the most unlikely characters in the story. Because of who she is, because of how old she is, and because of where she is from. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary, though she is not in Torah school at this point, like Mary understood enough of science and biology to ask the next question How will this be? Mary asked the angel Since I am a virgin. Now, if you flip back one page, you remember what happened when Gabriel asked his question, right? That dude went quiet for nine months. What is going to happen to Mary, the mother of our Savior? Like, what is the angel going to say to her? Let's see. How long has she got to sit in time out? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What? No time out? No silence? No jumping jacks? No up-downs? No nothing? Why is this? What is the difference in these two stories? Why does Mary get off the hook and and, and Zechariah has to be silent? I think the answer, as I look in the text, seems to be in what the angel says to her. Or as in her response. It says, uh, no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. And I think this attitude of the heart of Mary was a little bit different than Zechariah's heart. And what I want to say to you, church, what I want to say to you young people, is the Lord is okay with questions. The Lord is okay if you come to him with your questions, if you ask him honest questions and try to figure things out. And one of the joys of following Jesus for the long haul and going on the adventure of a lifetime with him is that we continually get to learn more and more and more. But Mary approaches her questions from a a heart of obedience. Mary approaches her questions from a heart of of humbleness and humility before God. And that as she asks these questions, she is hoping, she is praying, she is believing, and the Lord is ready to answer. The Lord is ready to, to give guidance. The Lord is ready to give the next step. And that as Mary is obedient... The Lord gives her the next step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And then she gets to go on the adventure of a lifetime. I was talking to my dad the other day. We were talking about this and that. And one of the things that my dad has said to me over the years that has always stood out to me, is he said, you know, parents love to see their kids have more success than they did. Parents love to to make a way for their kids in order to see these Things happen in order to set the table in order for kids to make the right decision in order for kids and can you imagine what it would have been like for Mary to like be at a mom's group? Like all these all these moms are talking about like what their kid has done and then they got like pictures up on the refrigerator, right? And it's like, oh look, my kid drew a, I don't remember what it is. And they're like, Oh, and, and Mary just puts up a picture of a throne, like, Oh yeah, my kid's gonna sit on that one day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, like Mary's got the ultimate one up in every mom's group. She's like, yeah, my kid's actually the savior of the world. Yeah, he's act, yeah, he can do it. Yeah, that's what he does. He's actually already teaching at the temple. Uh, we lost him for a few days, but we found him. Right. And like like this sense of like the excitement that must have gone with 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 on this journey of following Jesus and that Mary got to go on what I would call the ride of a lifetime. The disciples, through the rest of the gospel account, are going to get to go on the internship of a lifetime as they follow Jesus and as they go where he goes. And I believe that that is the same life that is offered to us today. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's agent in the world today, that we can go on the adventure of a lifetime as we are obedient to Jesus, as we listen to his voice, and as we go out and do it. I have gone and done things that I could have never imagined. I have been in countries that I did not know existed. Sharing the gospel, and it has been the adventure of a lifetime. Like, we moved to a place where no one knew us, where we didn't know what was going to happen, and I have had the chance to baptize a student in Newman Lake in December. You have not done a baptism until you've done a baptism outside in 25 degree weather, and it is so much fun. And this is what the characters in the story got to step into as they asked their questions, as they stepped into obedience. And this is what is offered to us today, too. Church, I think we see the young generation walk away from Jesus when they get old enough because they just don't think it's any fun. They look around and say, man, I can have a whole lot more fun doing a whole lot of other things, and I'm here to tell you that I cannot imagine a life more fun than radically and dynamically following Jesus because you never know what's going to happen next. You're never too old. You're never too young. You're never written off that you never know what could happen on a day-to-day basis as you step foot into this miracle. and you see the gospel grow, and you see the kingdom move, and you see things happen that you could have never asked for or imagined, the text is littered with stories where they didn't think it was going to happen, where they were unlikely. They were from small towns. They didn't have the pedigree. They didn't know the answers to the question, but the Lord still did it. And what could our community look like if we all embrace this type of lifestyle? What could our places of work look like? What could our... What could the hallways of our schools look like if we saw every day as an adventure of following Jesus? We're all open to the Spirit's guidance, to an angel appearing to us even, to speak life, to speak hope, and to take us on the ride of a lifetime. And I think that our lives would never be the same, and I think that those lives that are around us would never be the same as we follow Jesus this radically in this dynamic. So church, I just want to give you the chance here this morning as the band comes up and as we come close to a close. I just want to give you a chance to take a part in that adventure. For some of you, as you've looked at your life right now, you could say, I remember when I first met Jesus and what a ride it was. And I couldn't believe the things that were happening to me, and as I prayed, things happened, and I had so much faith, and there was so much courage, and there was so much boldness. But some of those things have left me over the last few years. I've gotten into a routine. I don't want to shake the boat. What would my friends say if I actually told them? I'm actually really comfortable right now. Can't I just ride off into the sunset? Church, there's more for you. Some of you are just on the precipice of following Jesus. You've been following him. You've been, been trying to do one foot in, one foot out. And let me tell you that it is so much more fun when you get both feet in. And you've been wondering, do I want to take this step of obedience? Do I want to see what will happen? What will I? I don't know. Let me encourage you to not let something hold you back this morning this could be the ride of a lifetime. This could be, I believe Christians have more fun on accident than most people have on purpose. This is what your life could be. An adventure. The adventure of a lifetime. Joy and joy and joy. So maybe this morning would be the morning where you'd put your stake in the ground and say, this is the moment. This is the trajectory setting moment where I'm going to see what would happen if I just gave the Lord everything. I'm going to follow him here or there or whatever, into whatever he wants to do. This is my moment. For some of you this morning, as we talk about the adventure, there are things that come to your mind. There's a place, there's a location, there's a vocation, there's a person that you know you're supposed to go to or share with. The Lord is continuing to put that person in your heart. I want to encourage you to act in obedience to the Lord's prompting this morning. And to see what the next step would be. If you would all stand up as we prepare to sing. Open here as this last song is sung. If you feel like there's something the Lord has been speaking to you, if you feel like there's an adventure that you want to go on, if you feel like there are things the Lord is saying to you even this morning, I'm going to invite you just to come up. We'll pray for you as the Lord would lead us, give you some moments of stillness and silence before the Lord. Not nine months like Zechariah, but just some moments. God, we thank you for the chance to be gathered here this morning as the people of God, that we know that life lived with you is better than any other life that it could be offered to us, and that we say that we want to follow you all the days of our life and to go on the adventure of a lifetime, as we see these stories, and we see that these are two unlikely characters, and so we can relate to them when we say that we want to step into that obedience. Help us, Lord, guide us by your Spirit. I want you to come up now. Come to the altars as they are open.
2: Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give the band and let's give Pastor Josh a hand this morning. Amen. I want to just want to encourage you before you leave this morning. I think one of the things that really stuck in my heart and stuck in my mind when he started talking about Zachariah and Elizabeth is I feel like I want to encourage somebody to, this morning That you've been praying for a a good while about something in your life. And I believe by faith that God is about to show up and answer your prayer. You know, we, we have that hope this morning, that hope of glory the Bible talks about. That when we go to our Heavenly Father, the Bible says He is going to hear... And He is going to answer our prayer, and so I just see myself this week, and I don't know about you, just laying before the Lord, and by faith, no matter what it looked like in the past, that God, I, I know that You're getting ready to do something in my life. You know, I, I don't know exactly how that's going to, going to look, but You're my heavenly Father and you want to do something, you want to do something great. You want to heal. You want to deliver. You want to set free. You want to help me in school. You want me to get good grades. You want me to have a good spouse. You want me to marry the right one. You just, God, you got great things in store. You want to bless my business, God. But God, there's some things that I've been asking for. You're going to do it, God. So, Father, this morning... Lord, we go to you in faith. God, I feel like encouraging someone, Lord, where the birth of Christ looked impossible to to Mary. It looked impossible uh, to Zachariah. Uh, Lord, it looked impossible, but so did it look impossible to Hannah, to Gideon when he fought the battle, to Abraham. God all of them were impossible situations so did the resurrection look impossible so did the resurrection of Lazarus look completely impossible but we serve a God that that works the impossible so Father I encourage them this morning that you are the God that's going to work the impossible out in their life Father we thank you for that message this morning, God. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Don't forget our Christmas Eve service, uh, Saturday and then Sunday, we have church. So, amen. God bless you today, and you have a wonderful week.